0: Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from one of our pastors. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. You know, uh, finishing strong has a lot of meanings. Uh, I just recently celebrated a birthday about three weeks ago. I'm still celebrating that birthday. I get all these coupons in the mail for me to get a free dessert at so many different places, so I'm strategic. uh, I line them up based on when they're gonna expire and I make sure I go to the right places at the right time to either get that free hamburger or get that dessert or even that appetizer. My friends ask me, uh, why do I get so much pleasure from coupons and free stuff? I don't know, I'm gonna blame it on God, it's how he made me. But one of the things that happened to me this morning, besides getting a uh, coupon from Krispy Kreme, Thank you very much. Uh, I got a note from uh, a letter from a friend of mine, David. I met him in the Middle East a few years ago. In college, God got a hold of his heart almost 60 years ago and took him to Syria. Now Syria is a place and was a place that if you profess Jesus Christ, you're killed. You're not thrown out economically. You're not thrown out from your family. You're not asked to move out of the city. They behead you, they kill you. They have no concern at all for the Christians. And David felt that's where God was calling him. And in his letter to me and so many others, he said something I thought was very important. A German philosopher slash theologian once said, when Christ calls a man, he binds him, come. He bids him come and die. Now think about that in the Christian community. We don't do a lot of marketing at Gateway that says, if you become a Christian, be prepared to die. We don't normally point out the fact that Christ in his word tells us that as a Christian, we're supposed to die daily to ourself. By dying daily to ourself, we can pour ourselves more into God. We can learn about God. We can love God more. And then when we love God more, we can love others more. David is one of those heroes of the faith that we don't have very many anymore. The people that are willing to say, I'm going to die, possibly physically, but he is going to die spiritually to himself. See, finishing strong begins with our right relationship with Jesus Christ. You cannot finish strong in this life and have any hope in eternity without Jesus Christ. Sometimes we gloss over that because we want people to hear the things that tickles their ear. Paul's gonna tell us in Scripture what was happening during the time of Nero was exactly what's happened today in America. In America, according to Barna, 30% of the people that go to a evangelical Christian church don't believe God's Word is truth. 30%. Aren't we blessed to be at a church that our pastor protects the Word of God and preaches and teaches the Word of God? And we ask our life group leaders to go through a process so that they themselves will honor what this Word has to say. 34% of Americans are now in that don't. They don't care. They don't care about God's Word. They don't care about a relationship with Jesus. They just don't care about religion. We don't care about religion, we care about relationship. We believe what God's Word has to say. We believe what the Holy Spirit can do in each one of our lives. Now, when you get to the younger generation, and this is sad, because this falls back on those of us that are more mature in our faith. The younger generation, the generation coming today, that moves up to about 43%. We've been told we're only one generation of being a completely godless nation. Now, I don't believe that because God's Word tells us there'll be someone here until He comes again. They'll be preaching and teaching His Word. So we're not at a complete loss, but I do believe we're at a, a, a crossroad to where either Christ is going to come again because He's not going to tolerate it much longer, or a great revival is going to break out. Now, I'm praying for the great revival because I believe what God's Word says. He is waiting because he is desiring for us to come to know him. He is waiting for someone. He's waiting for someone to come to know him so that we might finish strong. Now I've told people in the first service that I'm not the smartest guy that comes along, but I've got good common sense. I have some book knowledge, but I have to go to Webster sometimes to figure out what things really mean. So I looked up the word finish, and strong finish we all kind of understand it comes to a completion it comes to an end but strong here's what webster has to say webster says strong means something that can withstand great force or very intense pressure as a christian we have to withstand great force or very intense pressure and and and, and we can't withstand that without god in our life we cannot do it in a a way that honors God unless we let God participate in us standing strong, finishing strong. You know, sin is as bad today as it ever was. Solomon tells us there's nothing new under the sun. Sin is not new since the fall of mankind. You know, even though we're new creatures in Christ, we still have that old nature pushed down that wants to keep coming up. We oftentimes call that being selfish doing what we think is right in our own eyes, deciding to ignore what God's Word has to say. Now, you can't ignore what God's Word has to say if you don't know God's Word. And knowing God's Word and listening to His God, the Holy Spirit, is gonna help you when it comes to those moments of faith. Those moments of faith come every day to every one of us. To me, faith is very simple. When we come up on that decision to do either good or to do evil, You know, almost everyone knows what good is and what evil is. And almost everyone is faced daily with choices. See, finishing strong doesn't start when you get to be my age. Like I say, I made a commitment as a young man that that's something I wanted to do is finish strong. I look forward to hearing God say, well done, good and faithful servant. Notice I didn't say well done, good and perfect servant. So every day you're faced with a decision, good or evil. And it's how you take that next step which shows what your faith is made of. Are you going to choose what God's plan is for your life? Are you going to choose what you think is the better plan for your life? I'm going to tell you, regrets is found on this option, where you do what you think is best in your life. Minimize regrets. I had the opportunity, and I say that uh, very lightly, but very sincerely, to visit with many, many people as they take their last breath, being in a pastor role at Gateway Baptist Church. I carry those burdens with me, and I carry those experiences as though they happened just yesterday. It's a constant reminder to me, but I have never walked in a room where someone has said, I wish I could have done more evil with my life than I wished I would have done more good with my life. And that I would have done it earlier and more frequently and more often. And I would have loved God more and I would have loved others more because that's a natural overflow of what's happening. So Finishing Strong says we're gonna withstand great force or intense pressure. The world's gonna put it on us. Our old sin nature's gonna put it on us. Sin in itself is gonna put it on us and Believe it or not, Satan doesn't like it when Christians have victory. And now the new buzzword, which has been around for years, is a worldview versus a God's view. You can't live the world's view of life and finish strong. But just like my track uh, coach did, and just as life is, we all are going to finish. How are you going to finish? How are you going to choose to finish? How are you gonna decide to finish? See, that's your choice. I remember when my kids were small and they didn't always cooperate with the the rules of the house. And my son was really good about uh, testing those rules. And I remember when he was 13 or 14 and he had done something he shouldn't have, I went up to his room and said, we need to talk about it. And he said, Dad, you can't make me change. And I said, well, I can make you wish you changed. You know, God doesn't do that with us. God doesn't do that with us. He wants us to love him because he first loved us. Imagine your life without Christ. Those of us that have life experience, things come at us hard. They come at us fast. Life isn't easy. There's things we don't ask for that happens. What one phone call away of having something happen that's so tragic, it'll take a lifetime, a lifetime to deal with it. And even then you never get over it. You get through it with Christ, but you never get over it. So what is finished strong? I guess some of us are going to be okay if we end up and God lets us into his kingdom because we've accepted him as our Lord and Savior. And I don't think uh, whoever's at the gate is going to say, well, you know, you had your days, you had your moments, uh, you did okay. You finished, eh, but you finished. I don't think that's something that we should desire on this side of eternity. You know, just being a child of God is enough, but there's more to it according to God's word. God's word has a higher calling for each one of our lives. Now that we've put our faith and our trust and we've accepted God's grace. So finishing strong. I remember I was at a funeral here many years ago and the lady that, uh, before she passed away, she wrote a note to all of her family member and she chose not to pass those notes out to family and friends and family members until after the funeral service. And her daughter was passing the notes out. We had a meal over here, and she was passing the notes out, and I was looking around and observing. People were solemn. They were reading the letters. Some were crying. Many of them were laughing. And I couldn't help but think how valuable that letter was to each one of those people that received it. I wonder what our letter is gonna to say to our family members. Maybe we don't write a letter, maybe we don't actually do a video, but we have family and friends and coworkers and loved ones and classmates that are looking at us every day. And, and what is the legacy we're gonna leave for them? What, what are they gonna say about when we're gone? What are they gonna talk about? What are your kids or your grandkids gonna say about you? What are they gonna say about Jesus? What are they gonna say about the life that you lived to honor Him? I mean, what are they gonna say? You know, dying is easy. I believe that. The body fights it, but I think dying is easy because it's gonna happen to every one of us at some point unless Christ comes before then. Living is the part of the Christian faith that I really enjoy. Because see, I can make a difference you know, what act of faith is so small that it doesn't please God? Tell me what act of faith that you do that is so small that doesn't please God. See, we don't have to be a Billy Graham. Don't know why I thought about that young man. We're created to be who we are. God has put us in a place, and a time, and a circle of influence for us to make a difference, to us choose and decide to make a difference. See, don't look at the person next to you. Look at what God is doing in your life and what he desires from you so that you can build that legacy, so that you can write that story that God is giving you, and only you can live that story. Only you can live that story, and only you can choose and decide to be a part of that story. Well, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Apostle Paul and uh, Going to look at 2 Timothy chapter four, believe it or not, we are going to use a few verses this morning. I think God's word is a a very loving thing. And uh, I, I love God's word so much that I forgot to show pictures of my grandkids. I don't know if that's too late or not. I want to show you something that's important to me. Come on now, work with me. There they are. You know, I love my wife of 48 years, love her to death, love my kids, love my grandkids, but you know who I love the most and who loves me the most? It's my God. When I travel around this world, I tell people about my family, but I also tell them what family I'm a part of, God's family, and they get a little confused sometimes because they don't understand God's love. God's love is so perfect, so real, that it makes me, maybe I run, Maybe I, when I run I feel God's pleasure, which is not true, but maybe I do. Paul is in prison. He'd been to Rome one time before, in prison under house arrest. Here at Second Timothy, he's in prison a second time, but he's in a place called Maritime Prison in Rome. It's a very small, probably 12 12 by 12 dungeon. You go down several uh, steps to get to it. There's no light in there except for one little hole on the outside of the dungeon. There's no water, there's no restroom facilities. Uh, He doesn't order from a menu what he wants for breakfast, lunch or dinner. When you went to that prison, you went there to die either of starvation or eventually they were gonna pour you out and crucify or kill you. You know that little hole? People received more food from passerbys throwing food down to them than they did from the Romans. Paul was at the end of his life. Some theologians believe that Second Timothy, if not the last book, was one of the last books that Paul wrote. He knew that he was gonna die. He knew that his time was near. And he writes to Timothy and he tells Timothy several things, but one of the things he said that Timothy was his son in faith. And in verses one through eight, and I'm not gonna do them all, I'd love to have time to unpackage them, but I do hope you take the time to read these verses. If you haven't read them lately, they will be an encouragement to you and your faith. They will encourage you to desire to finish strong. He starts off in first verse one, I solemnly charge you before God in Christ Jesus." He's, he's making an oath or a vow to Timothy, challenge him under God and Jesus' authority to live well, to be strong. The things that was happening in that time politically, Nero was the leader, lots of persecution, wasn't a fun time to be a Christian. I can parallel that that with today and the world that we're seeing today also. It is a great time to be a Christian, but the world around us wants us to fail. They want us to fall. They twist scriptures. They say things to silence us. They pick apart things that are not truth from God's Word, and they try to make it truth just because they said it, and they said it loud, and they said it often. They try to take our joy. As a believer, they can't take my salvation. There's nothing they can do to get that. God has already guaranteed that I will finish. I will work hard and work is is a bad word because the faith is not based off of works. But I will live daily for Christ so that I can finish strong. I desire to finish strong. Paul is telling Timothy, I solemnly charge you, live for Jesus, live for Jesus. And he says that who is going to judge the living and the dead, believe it or not, there is a judgment day coming. Christ is coming again. There will be a judgment day. Those of us that have accepted Christ, we don't have to worry or fear or have any fret over that judgment day. God's already taken care of that through His Son, Jesus Christ. And because of our faith and His grace, we don't have to be concerned about the judgment day. But that does lead to an excellent point. To be judged or to finish strong, you have to be a Christian. You have to be a Christ follower. And then Paul goes on and says, preach the word in season and out of season. I think Paul had been to South Carolina at some point because we have two seasons also, hot and hotter. But he says, be in season and out of season. Preach God's word. All that means is be ready to share what God is doing in your life. It doesn't mean to stand up here and to preach. It means when someone you encounter needs encouragement that only Christ can give them through you, For you to use your words yes we're supposed to live in a way which people can see that we're different but we're supposed to use our words you know we have become fearful of what the world will say to us we have become fearful about what our co-workers our fellow students our uh, family our friends will say to us if we speak up for jesus you know i know as a pastor i can embellish some stories and you have to sit there and say well was it really the guy's last Sunday in church and he died on a motorcycle on the way home before accepting Christ. I know we can share those stories, but I can tell you this. I have seen things and I have heard things and like I have read in scriptures and acts, I can't be silent. I'm in Costa Rica on a mission trip. We're at a place where a church is going to be built one day It's dirt. It's gravel. There's no walls. The preacher starts preaching. Man, I wished it was me, but God didn't use me that Sunday to preach. But I wished it was me. He started preaching. And through a translator, I was picking up what he had to say. But within a few minutes, the Holy Spirit came down on that gathering of about 40 people. We heard people reeling out to God, asking him to forgive them. We heard people that were slayed in the spirit. It's a real thing. They were falling out. The Holy Spirit had just taken control of their body. We heard people praying for salvation. We saw a miracle that night. We saw a revival that night. That's my story. If you were there, you would say exactly what I just said. If you wasn't there and I told you how powerful our God is that he can take people from death to life from hearing his word, that they came just to see what the bright lights were under that dirty, dusty area, that they transitioned from death to life in a moment, and how God was being praised by 40 voices speaking two different languages, calling out to him for revival. The next morning, six of us were supposed to go door to door evangelism from Gateway. We had over 60 people show up that morning, wanting to go out and share what God had done in their life just the night before. Man, I hope we never get over Jesus saving us. I pray that we never forget what he did in our lives and how much he loved us, and that he snatched us out of death and he gave us life, and that at some point in our life when it's over, we're gonna spend eternity in heaven. I hope we never get over that. Man. And I could tell you more and more stories like that where God has shown himself to be real and to be faithful and to desire men and women and children to come to him. It's such a blessing to be able to do that. And not just in my role as a pastor, but as a person who loves God. So he goes on in those verses, he jumps, I'm jumping down to verse number seven. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. This is Paul. I have kept the faith. He had fought the good fight. Paul was not afraid of a good fight. He knew the person that he represented, that he was going to have hardship and that there would be battles and that there would be struggles. But he was not afraid of that. And what I really like about the end of it is is he said, I kept the faith. And the image I get, which is not necessarily correct from what the scripture says, but the image I get is keeping something, cherishing something, holding on to something so tight. You know, we hold on to things that's not going to make it into eternity. We desire things that's not going to make it into eternity. Paul held on or kept something. He kept his faith. He cherished his faith. He lived his faith, so he knew and he prayed and he hoped that when he got before God, a holy God, he would hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. And then the last verse I'm gonna read. Paul says, there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will give me on that day. And not only me, but to all those who have loved his appearing. There's no amount of money, no amount of money, no amount of goodness, no amount of anything that is worth what God has promised us as his child. You know, we hear the word mansions when we get to heaven. I'll be happy if it's Straw. I've been to Mozambique and other African countries, thaw, straw, clay, I'll be happy. I'll be happy to enter into eternity. And if my mansion is clay or straw, I'm right where God had promised me I would always be, in his presence for eternity. In his presence for eternity. I don't deserve that. People don't deserve that but only through my faith in Jesus Christ and His grace and the blood of Jesus Christ am I able to attain that. But I can only do it during this lifetime. Some of us want to wait. We want to wait till we clean ourselves up. How many times I've heard someone I'm witnessing to say, well, I've got this in my life. When I get through that, then I might be ready to accept Christ. Well, When I get to a certain place in my career, then maybe I'm willing to give up my desires and follow after God's desire. Maybe if I find, maybe if I do, maybe if this happens, we're not guaranteed our next breath. We're just not guaranteed the next breath. So why Terry, why wait? Why not go ahead and decide that God is who he says he is, that Jesus did come to this earth, he did live a sinless life, He did die a horrible death. He did die on a cross. He did come out of that grave three days later. Just believe, just have faith that he is who he says he is. And he offers you a grace that's worth anything this world can ever offer you. The world can never give you what God desires for your life. He wants you to finish strong. You know, we're gonna stumble, we're gonna fall. Holy Spirit's gonna guide us, gonna pick us up, gonna lift us up, gonna let us go on. We're gonna be able to do things that we didn't think we could do. And he has a crown waiting on us. Now I don't know if you read ahead in the Bible or not, but I'd encourage you to know God's word. Because for you to teach it or talk about it or share it, and even to practice it, to live it out, you should know what his word has to say. But you know what we're gonna do with those crowns one day? We're gonna lay them at the feet of Jesus. We're gonna say, thank you, may I have another crown? And then we're gonna lay them at the feet of Jesus. We're not gonna hold on those crowns. They're not gonna be hanging on the wall in our mansion. We're gonna put them at the feet of Jesus because he is the lamb. He is the only one that is worthy. He is the one that is wanting and desiring for us to come to know him. He is sitting on the right hand of the Father praying for us today more times than there's grains of sand on this earth. Imagine how many times Jesus is thinking about each one of us, each one of us, more than the grains of sand on this earth. And yet we go through days and we lay our head down at night and we say to ourselves, God, help me make it through the night. Give me another good day. And then that's probably the only time we thought about him some days. Hmm. God wants us to finish strong. You know, as I close here, I'm reading from Philippians 3.14. I press on to reach the end of the race and I receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Before I close, I want you to say to yourself, what does your life say about you and your relationship to God? What does your life reflect? What does it say about that? Have you purposed in your heart and mind that you want to finish strong? Have you made that commitment to a holy God, a solemn commitment that I want to finish strong? I don't want to just finish. I don't want to be average in the Christian walk. I may not be a hero of faith, but I tell you what, I want to be a hero because of who my hero and my savior is. Selfish, I know but I desire to know him more because the more I know him, the more I love him, the more I can love others and the more I can live my life to please him. And he loves me no less, no matter how imperfect I am. He loves me no less when I mess up. I can't do anything about those, but I can get forgiveness for those things. And to God, that's as far as the east is from the west, the deepest part of the ocean. And when I pray to him again to say, Father, please forgive me, he says, What are you talking about? That one's behind you. He says, Live for today. Today is the day I've given you. Today is the day I want you to live for me. Today is the day. One day. Tomorrow has enough worries. One day. Don't give in to sin. I know that's a tough one. Sin is attractive, even to Christians. So many Christian men and women fall because of one sin. The problem is that one sin, they didn't start that day saying the day is the day that I'm gonna do that one sin. And It doesn't wipe them out from God's love, but it takes your joy away. It hurts your testimony. It can destroy your family. It could make your grandkids think of you differently, see you in a different lens. You confuse them and the world around you is somewhat happy. Don't give in to sin, but more importantly, don't give up on your calling, your calling to be a Christ follower. It's a worthy calling. Don't be embarrassed when somebody asks you what you believe, tell them what you believe. There's nothing man can take away from you. Nothing, nothing. I was a pretty level, high level position in the trucking business. And I found out my boss, my direct report, was having an affair. And I went to him and I said, you get, his name was Jim, you don't know his last name. I'll tell you after the service, but his first name was Jim. <laughs> I said, Jim, I said, you gotta stop. I said, you've got a wife and three kids, three beautiful daughters. You need to stop this it's not good it's not a, what a leader does and you're in church every Sunday and you tell people you're a Christian you can't do this and I remember this till the day I die he says Ronald as a Christian I can live in sin if I don't look like I live in sin I said Holy Spirit hold me back I went into a lecture with the guy who is my direct report and He was saying he was not going to change his behavior, that why couldn't he love two women? Isn't it amazing how sin takes you places you never thought you'd end up at? You know, you flirt with it. What does the Bible say? Don't flirt. Run. Turn and flee. So I go back to my office. I call my wife. I said, look, I'm about to quit. She said, what's going on? I said, Jim's having an affair and I don't respect him. And I can't work for a man I don't respect she said, what are we going to do? God's got this. I know you see the signs in the yard. I didn't think of that sign then. I would have made a mint off of those signs. God's got this. I said, honey, we know God's got this. Went in, took my resignation letter into him. He balled it up, threw it at the, at the desk and said, I'm not accepted. It bounced up and hit me in the chest. I said, oh, you want to be that kind of guy, do you? But he said, I'm not going to let you leave. I said, guess what? Write the work state. I'm out don't respect you. He said, well, I'm gonna make you work two weeks so I can convince you to stay. Man, he threw everything at my feet, but nothing was equal to the crown of righteousness that God's gonna give me. Nothing means more to me than serving God. Within 30 minutes after resigning, once again, I'm a pastor, but this is a true story. Within 30 minutes after resigning, I get a call from a company in South Carolina that says, hey, we've been trying for years to get you to come down here and talk to us. said, you apparently don't think God lives in South Carolina. So I took basic training in South Carolina. So, you know, it's kind of up in the air, but God, at least around Fort Jackson. And uh, he said, no, you need to come and listen. And I said, well, I'll come and listen. I said, my circumstances have changed in the last 30 minutes. Isn't it amazing how God works? You're holding on to this thing that has no eternal value. And Paul is saying, hold on to this thing called faith. God's got this. He's going to take care of you. So don't give up on your calling. It's a worthy calling. Let's pray.